Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers, and what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Football is back, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there is always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron, Week five, Bears, Buccaneers on the lakefront. A lot going into this game. Let's get it on. I'm excited to talk about this one. Man, we got Tom Brady, the GOAT, coming to town on a Thursday night after a tough, tough, tough loss to the Indianapolis Colts on a Sunday. But there's no better way to get over a loss than to go out there and, and put on your best, put out your best effort, put on your game face, and, and go play the greatest to ever do it. No time to think. Just get right back out there and play the GOAT. Been looking at the Buccaneers. We just watched the All-22 tape on Bears versus Colts. I'm terrified, Cameron. I'm terrified of this game. But let's start it off with this thought that as the eternal optimist, I do think that if the Bears pull this game off and win this game, even if it does look ugly, I think as terrified as I am now, as happy I think Bears fans should be if they're able to pull out this victory in week five especially on a Thursday night coming off a short week coming off a really tough loss and I think the only way they're going to be able to do it is if they score some points yeah I I think scoring points is going to be absolutely essential to winning this game and it's been a big question mark whether or not the Bears can do it but yeah if they can pull it off on Thursday yeah I like their chances definitely got to go out there and score points points are essential to winning football games we're breaking news here on believe in Bears Bears need to score points to win versus Buccaneers that is the headline folks Bears over the weekend signed Lamar Miller to the practice squad beefed up their running back depth Cameron we've been talking about this since the preseason about you know what did that room look like do we have enough depth and looks like hopefully the Bears maybe have solved this case with 29-year-old Lamar Miller, who did not play last year with the torn ACL. He's got some pretty decent numbers on the back of his football card, but it's really hard to tell what to expect from him and when we can actually see him on the active roster. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen Lamar Miller, but we have seen him through stretches throughout his career where he's been a a successful player and definitely uh, someone that can be an asset to to this Bears running back group. You know, I think on Sunday we saw that there was definitely just something to be desired from the Bears running game. And it wasn't just David Montgomery. You know, Cordero, Cordero Patterson is someone that we've been talking a lot about in his role uh, in the backfield for the Bears offense. And and he definitely has a role. But I would say it it seems to be more of the, the Tariq Cohen kind of uh, a little bit more of the gimmicky stuff. We still are looking for that other guy that can come in and, and carry the load more a little bit more frequently and be – uh, a more consistent runner, if you will, between the tackles. So I think that, you know, a Lamar Miller, if he can come in and get anywhere near, you know, the, the plays that he was two, three seasons ago, I think he might be might be a nice addition to that backfield. Yeah, I think the ceiling for Lamar Miller is someone that can be a compliment to David Montgomery, a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield just like Tariq Cohen can perhaps provide a solid hat for pass blocking because he is a veteran back there and perhaps give us some positive yards in the running game. Before we get into Bucks bears Cameron, we went through the all 22. We were able to take a look at some of the plays from bears versus Colts. And in our previous pod, we talked about, you know, the offensive line struggles, the running game struggles, Nick Foles hit or miss down the field, a defense that 
at times played pretty well, but had some tackling issues here and there. Just going back and looking at the film where your assessments of the offensive line verified by taking a look at it. What did you notice and what really stuck out to you? Uh, the offensive line did not play well. And, and that's, you know, the big takeaway that ever, everyone's going to say. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, it's fair to just come out and rip them apart. They played a very good defense, but there's definitely room for improvement all across the board. It stood out a lot to me. It stood out to me more so in the run and the run game than it did in the pass game. But you know, all across the board, there was uh, areas where I thought all five, all five guys um, definitely could have improved. I noticed a lot of our interior offensive line, our center and guards, uh, you know, on these uh, run plays, on these zone concepts where we want guys to be making contact and driving and meeting the defender on their side of the line of scrimmage, you know, there's just no running room. And it's, it's, uh, it look oftentimes Cody Whitehair, James Daniels, two guys that we've talked about how great they're playing so far this season are a yard deep on our side of the line of scrimmage. And that's just not going to get the job done. So we talked a little bit about how um, it seemed like Matt Nagy may have a, um, abandoned the run game. And upon the rewatch, upon watching the All-22, it's definitely a little bit easier to see why that may have been the case. If you're not able to get that initial drive, if you're not able to get make contact on the opponent's side of the line of scrimmage, that running game is just going to be hard and harder and harder to come by. Uh, the Bears didn't really demonstrate an ability to to take the top off the defense to beat uh, the Colts down the field with a with a vertical passing attack, and so we saw a lot of stacked box. We saw you know all these things that make running the running the ball even harder and harder. And so I think that's kind of my takeaway is that when they were never really able to establish the the ability to run the ball and then weren't really beating people over the top with the passing game, you're going to see all sorts of difficult looks. And uh, you know I think I think we saw an example of uh, of one team being more prepared and, and maybe out scheming uh, Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears team on uh, on Sunday. From my vantage point, Cody Whitehair had a really tough game. James Daniels, I thought, had some decent moments in pass pro, but had some major misses. And Charles Lennell as well had some really, I think, some plays that he'd like to have back to as well. And from the first half perspective, it was bad across all fronts. I thought in the second half they gave Foles a little bit more time where he didn't really just have that pressure right in front of him where he had to get the ball out of his hands. We're able to let some plays progress a little bit deeper down the field than we probably would have wanted. And I personally saw a real disconnect with Nick Foles and David Montgomery in this game. It was playing to the, the, the naked eye on a couple of plays where Nick Foles thought he was handing the ball off and ended up, yeah, he had to rush for a couple of yards and just bail on a play. There was another moment where they weren't on the same page. It just seemed over and over again that they just weren't clicking from back there. And let's be honest, we're going to talk about the offensive line and give them a hard time. It's really hard when you're getting the exchange and the communication before it even gets to that point of the line of scrimmage. It just makes it all the more tougher. So I think there's a lot of blame to go around. That's definitely the case. And we talk about uh, all these different things that need to be clicking. And, and I had mentioned it time and time again that just inserting this new quarterback doesn't just fix all these problems, that there's still that gelling and that continuity. And, and uh, you know, just putting in Nick Foles, after a successful second half against the Atlanta Falcons doesn't just fix the Chicago Bears offensive problems. And you saw that early on, very early on in this game, uh, there was a play action where, I mean, I, I can't exaggerate it. I don't think David Montgomery and Nick Foles were within three yards of one another. And I mean, if I could see that in the all 22, the, 
Indianapolis Colts definitely saw that. There was just time and time again where nothing really seemed to be clicking, and it's it's small things like that. But um, you know, th- those aren't those small things are, are a big deal uh, at the NFL level, and teams pick up on that. And a team that is well coached as this Frank as Frank Reich's uh, Frank Reich's um, Indianapolis Colts defense that is very well disciplined and very talented. I think they picked up on some of those things and really were just in in a great position uh, all game long. So. Those are the little things that you want to see the Bears improve upon, and uh, you know, kind of tweak up and tighten up, and you know, get the things, get those little things uh, better improved moving forward. But you know, coming into this short week, it's against an, another awesome defense. The the Bears really did not catch any breaks here, catching the uh, the Colts, who may be the best defense in the league, and the Buccaneers, who may be the second best defense in the league. On um, back-to-back weeks, so this is tough. This is a tough stretch for the Bears, and and uh, I guess we'll really see what they're made of after Thursday night. And to the Colts' credit, too, on those running plays, I just saw white helmets flying to the ball until there was a white blob every single time. Something I would think the Bears' defense, I would like to maybe see a little bit more of that moving forward. There's another little side narrative too, where the narrative going around with Chicago sports fans and Chicago sports radio is that you know Frank Reich you know, knows Matt Nagy. He worked with him and he knows Nick Foles. He coached him and he kind of ate their lunch a little bit on a lot of plays. And when you're starting to look at it, when they did try and reverse the field, when they would try and do a screen pass, anything to add a wrinkle to what I thought was a very vanilla game plan play call wise, whenever they would try and do something outside the bounds of that, the Colts were all over that. I mean, credit to the Colts defense with discipline, but it also felt like Matt Nagy got out coached in this game. I think he did, but you got to also consider that we're talking about a guy who's inserting a new quarterback into this offense. So, I mean, it's hard for him to go out there and have the full array of his playbook and all of his creative weapons out there. You know, he also lost Tariq Cohen. So there's a lot of shifting, and and I think that we have to consider that a little bit um, when we're going into this game. Sure, everyone's going to say that, you know, the scheme was boring and bland and vanilla and and all all those things, but ultimately – if the quarterback and the running back and, and this whole offense aren't on the same page, then none of it matters. And so I, I think Matt Nagy, who's probably smarter than all of us, uh, ha- had probably considered that to an extent. It still is a matter of going out there and executing the right plays and executing the plays that were called. And and they didn't really get that done either. So it, it didn't look really good. on It didn't look too, too great on either front, really. And let's go to Cam's highlight of the game. We're going to focus in on one particular play. I pulled this one this week because I just think it's a microcosm for a lot of things that are frustrating right now about the Chicago Bears offense. It was the fourth quarter. The Bears are driving down the field. So it was the first play of the fourth quarter. We had a third and one. And Bears fans will probably remember because Cordero Patterson's a bit polarizing. Some people like him out there on the field. Some people like him out on the field at a particular limit. In this situation, he was in the backfield. And just watching the all 22, I hope that you can perhaps break this down for Bears fans because we didn't pick up the first down. And I noticed on this particular play that the play call looked like Cody Whitehair and James Daniels were supposed to be sliding to the right. And as you called, uh, as we talked in the pre-pod, walling off to perhaps even give Cordero Patterson a chance to go right or cut left. When I was kind of hoping it would just be a north-south play, and unfortunately the offensive line couldn't get it done. They got pushed back automatically. What did you see on that play? Did you like the play call? Do you think it was a lack of execution? And did you like the personnel on the field for that particular play? Because it turned out to be a big one. Yeah, there's a lot of things to talk about in breaking down this particular play. First of all, to me, it looks like they're running some form of a, of a, of a halfback cut 
which is essentially like an like an inside zone concept where the entire offensive line is stepping one direction, hoping that the defense over pursues, and then the running back would put his foot in the ground and basically step to the other other direction and find a hole. So the entire offensive line steps right, telling me that it look they're setting it up to look like it's an inside zone to the right. And as I'm watching the play right now, I'm trying to to see, you know, what all is happening and, and what seems to be the intention. Now, pre-snap, there are multiple motions that, that take place. And I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the linebackers to motion to see how they react, uh, to see if we can change the box, see if we can get a, a different, uh, uh, you know, number of, of, of linebackers in the box. It's just sort of change, change the blocking scheme. But there's a couple things that I notice here. First of all, uh, they they move Darnell Mooney pre-snap. They motion Anthony Miller pre-snap. And then they send Darnell Mooney in motion at the absolute beginning of the play, right when uh, Nick Foles is snapping the ball. And if you watch the Colts linebackers, the Colts linebackers, I don't know if they're the most disciplined guys in the world or if this team has just coached up on so well on how this team plays, but they don't react to Darnell Mooney, who I would think – Darnell Mooney on an end around on third and one is is a scary is a scary thought. So to me, that's that's something that they would react to, but they don't even for a second, you know, react to that. So I don't know if that's a timing thing, if they know that Nick Foles versus Mitch Trubisky, that's that sort of thing, you know. Um, but they don't even react to that. So that is the first problem. Linebackers stay home, super disciplined, sit on the run. So that that's the first problem. And then we go back to to the actual play itself and we're talking about how i think this looks like it's supposed to be a halfback cut and the play set up great if it is a halfback cut uh they have leverage basically in this situation like we said all the linebackers over pursuit to the right everyone's in a good position to wall them off and create that space between jimmy graham at the left uh, left tight end position and charles leno jr getting to the second level on his linebacker it's great the only problem is my center and my left guard are a yard deep and if from where I've got this thing fr- frozen up on the frame, Cody Whitehair looks like he could fall down any moment. And that's no disrespect. This is an awesome Colts front. But if you're running back who is supposed to now put a foot in the ground and make this cut is uh, having to make this cut prematurely based upon the, the alignment of his offensive lineman uh, in comparison to the defensive lineman, then everything's off track. Everything's in a position. Now that we're going to have to make this cut prematurely. Uh, he's just not going to get to where he needs to get to, to be frank. I mean, that that ultimately, I think, falls on the offensive line, just just kind of getting their ass kicked on this play. And those are my guys, and those are good players. And But but frankly, the the middle, we just got beat. We got beat by uh, by those players on the, on the interior for the Colts. Now, when we talk about Cordero Patterson, and I know that I'm ranting here, but we're talking about a third and one. We're talking about a third and one scenario, and we're talking about a wide receiver converted to a running back and we're just trying to get one play or one yard to me that I would say is a tactical error. And, you know, like we've said before, Matt Nagy probably knows a hell of a lot more than I do, but third and one, we're running a pretty basic concept. And I think that that needs to be David Montgomery. And I've defended, I've defended having 84 in the backfield. I've defended him getting as many touches as he does, but I think it's time that we consider that he's a gadget and gadgets are supposed to be used in certain situations. And I think lined up third and one under center, that should be David Montgomery. That's David Montgomery's carry all day. He understands the footwork. He's been doing this a long time. And and the 
touch and the cut and knowing exactly how to handle that situation. So I think that's a tactical error on that one. So that is probably seven minutes of, of way too in-depth inside football that I just provided you there. But I'm really glad that you did though, because I think what bears fans are trying to figure out right now is, is this an execution situation or is this a play call situation? And I think for bears fans, when they see Cordero Patterson, as that personnel on a third and one, I think they're thinking what you're thinking. Why isn't David Montgomery out there on the field? You're not going to run play action with Patterson back there. Sure, you could throw the ball, but let's be honest, it sort of gives away exactly what you're doing. These are the kinds of decisions and things that I think Bears fans are looking at when we're looking at Matt Nagy and asking ourselves, you know, can this guy scheme us into scoring more points, even if we have execution issues right now on the side of the offensive ball? And I think it's a big thing that we're going to be looking forward in this game too, as well, because we're playing a Bucks team that is super talented. We're not exactly humming on offense right now. So what do you do? You got to scheme up and coach up your guys, right? And get them in positions to succeed. And this is something that we're hopefully going to see in week five. I don't think it's a bad play call. And I don't think Cordero Patterson being in the backfield from time to time is a bad thing. It's just really a matter of, of when and how you use it and when and how you execute it. And I I do want to continue to see 84 in the backfield. I want to continue to see them, you know, get creative with some of these run concepts. Um, But third and one, man, third and one, and you're in this ball game and you just got to come out and get one yard. To me, that's a David Montgomery carry. If you're going to run the ball, which, you know, many teams may not run that, run the ball in that situation. But if you are going to do that, that's a David Montgomery carry. He's so good getting yards after first contact and we're talking about one yard and I know he had a tough game, but still, even then when he was stopped, he was still trying to churn to just get that one extra yard to make it a two yard run into a three yard run. And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, personally, I could probably do without the five to six targets that Demetrius Harris is getting a game. Hopefully see a little more Cole Komet this week. We'll find out. I know a lot of reporters were asking Matt Nagy about that this week, about why we saw so little of Komet. And it's a bit going to be a bit of a wait and see, but let's dive right into Bears versus Bucks. Cameron, this is your keys to victory. Cam's keys to successful Bears victory in week five. Hopefully going to get them to four and one. Cam, what is your first key to success in week five? I think the first thing we got to do, and I, I know I'm a broken record here, but they got to come back and, and figure out the running game. You know, this isn't me saying establish the running game because, you know, they were able to do that through the first few weeks or whatever, but now, now we got to find it. And uh, I, I say that comes, I say that stems from some of the creativity because I think this is a bland, bland rushing attack. And obviously the Bears fell behind early. And so, you know, they, they thought that they, maybe they weren't able to run the ball um, because of that defense. But I, I want to see them get back to some of the creative stuff, uh, you know, uh, with this rushing attack. Like I mentioned on that previous play, you know, Darnell Mooney on, on the end around and the defense doesn't bite for a second. Do you watch the Chiefs play? From time to time, because I I like seeing touchdowns every 30 seconds. Man, just some of the creativity that they play with, and I'm not saying that the Bears have the same personnel, because obviously they don't. But what I saw on Sunday was it was a bland attack. A lot of just, you know, going from the gun, lining up under center, and, you know, David Montgomery running straight ahead and running straight ahead into a wall. Earlier on in the season, we saw a lot more motion. We saw a lot more trickery if you will oh look cordero patterson's in the backfield oh here's a pitch or we're faking it one way we're giving it to the other split action play action things like that i think they need to find that creativity uh to help them get this run game reestablished. and i think they need to find it earlier in the game it sort of feels like that they're so committed to this 
bland, straightforward style of let's get into a rhythm and do what we do and meat and potatoes when it almost feels like they're getting away from it until they're down by a couple points and it's the second quarter. Maybe now it's time to do a play action. Maybe it's time to do a zone toss. And that was something that they actually were able to do at times with Mitch Trubisky with moderate success, get the ball out of his hands and do just different creative looks of the ball going to different spots on the field early on. Just didn't seem like they were able to lock into that with Nick Foles. You know, this is going to lead a little bit. You were talking about getting back to creative play calling. My first key to the game is Matt Nagy. And we're at that time of the season. Let's timestamp it. It's Tuesday, first week of October. And I'll be honest with you. The guy is 23 and 13. 23 and 13 as a coach. And I still don't know who this guy is. And what's so funny about this is I understand it's Nick Foles. It's a new offense. It's going to take some time to gel, but I, I have a better grasp on Matt Nagy's offense when Mitch Trubisky was a quarterback. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just talking about my level of grasp of what is capable and what, what the ceiling is. And now that Nick Foles is out there, I just didn't really see it in the play calling per se, I just didn't really see any of this new, interesting stuff. All the plays that Matt Nagy can't call because Trubisky's out there. I just didn't really see it. I'm still trying to figure out who this guy is. And I understand that you're saying new offense going to take some time, but let's be honest. What is the narrative? Mitch Trubisky is Pace's guy, then Pace hired Nagy. Nagy never really thought Trubisky was a guy that he could trust and never was his guy. You can say all you want that Trubisky's failure is on Ryan Pace, but Nick Foles was brought in here, I'm sure, with consultation from Matt Nagy. So this is a collaborative effort bringing in Nick Foles as a guy that he thinks he can run his offense. I'm just I'm putting the pressure and the highlight on him in this game. I think in this situation where if you go down up and down the lineup of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they probably get check boxes at what quarterback, maybe even running back, definitely wide receiver, probably tight end. Definitely right now on defense, the way that that defense is playing. So what are we going to do? It's going to come down to scheme. It's going to come down to Nagy pushing the right buttons at the right time against a coach, by the way, Bruce Arians, who was going to take the Bears job, what, five, six years ago, was sitting in a hotel waiting for the news, and it went to Tressman instead. Another kind of guy coming back to haunt us a little bit on the other side of the football. I'm just looking at Matt Nagy. It's time for him to go out and win a football game for the Chicago Bears. I'm looking at this week. And I think you what you said about when you kind of line up the the teams and you, and the check check all the boxes and yeah I mean when you look at the roster when you look at the talent you know there's definitely a disparity I, I think uh, especially on the offensive offensive side of the ball there's clearly a disparity between what the Bucks are working with and what the the Bears are working with so how do you gain those advantages where do you do so and you know we, we got there and you you pay your head coach and you pay these coordinators and. Maybe you know this is the time where you, where they step up and and find us. You got to sometimes you have to find an advantage, and uh, on a short week it might be very difficult. So I, I think you know you're putting a lot of pressure on uh, on the old ball coach there. But hopefully, hopefully this is something that he's able to step up and and find that advantage and and get this team back on track. Believe in Bears is all about accountability. If we're going to give Mitch Trubisky a hard time, I think it's time to talk about the coach a little bit. He's got all of his guys here. He brought in Bill Lazor, Filippo. He's got Castillo. He's got all his boys there on the staff. He's got his dream staff. And last year we were 29th in passing. This year right now we're 24th. I know that the season is young, but let's be honest, not market improvement for right now. And they ran a crazy stat today that in his 37, 36 games that Matt Nagy has coached, in 22 of those games, the Bears have scored 20 or less points on offense. So 
blame Trubisky all that you want, but at some point now that there's a new guy in here, I think it's time to start asking for some results. Go ahead and fire up the campaign to uh, get Jason Garrett here. <laughs> Dabo Sweeney, run down the list. I'm not saying the dude needs to get fired, but I think it's fair to just ask, you know, is he going to be able to help out this situation here with this group of players that now are very much out of his visage? And I'm just really hoping that we come out with some really interesting, like you said, creative plays and offensive mix like you were asking for last week. Let's see if he can do it here in week five against the Bucks. Cameron, what's your second key to the game? Second key to the game. This is probably an underrated thing about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but you know they talk a lot about their offensive firepower. Man, this defense is tough. This defense is really tough. I said it before. Um, you know, <laughs> this may be the best pass rushing group, one of the best pass rushing groups that you're going to see. Tremendous linebackers: Levante David, Devin White. Jason Pierre-Paul is out there with like seven fingers and he's still getting after it. Shaq Barrett is a, they just call him Sack Barrett. I mean, this, this group is going to be dangerous. So, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and put this on this offensive, this offensive group and just say, can, can we protect, can we protect uh, our, our new asset and Nick Foles and give him the opportunity to go out there and throw the ball because th- this group is uh, is scary good at getting to the quarterback they're scary good at at wreaking havoc on uh on opposing offenses and i think just protecting just just let's see if nick Foles can get in that rhythm we've mentioned that it's a short week we mentioned that he needs time to gel uh and, and he's not going to gel if he doesn't even have the opportunity to stay upright to stay clean to find to find it you know so i'm going to say the second key is to just protect him and give this offense time to even try and find rhythm Football fans that watch the Buccaneers defense on week one, this is not that defense. They have turned it around and they have turned it around very quickly. I believe in their last three games, they have 13 sacks, five interceptions, three fumble recoveries, a safety, and also on special teams, they add in a block kick for good measure. Yeah, this is no joke. They are very similar to the talent level of the Colts. And as much as I think that the Colts played well and that they were disciplined, They weren't necessarily wreaking havoc. I felt like we were shooting ourselves in the foot more than per se the Colts were out there making plays. They just made it tough on us. We just couldn't make things happen. I think what you said about the the Colts didn't wreak havoc. They are very disciplined. They were in the right places at the right time, and they didn't give us opportunities to really make anything happen. I would say it's almost kind of a suffocating defense, if you will. They just kind of like a boa constrictor. You know, They were just in the right place at the right time, and they just kind of swallowed you up. And uh, and wrapped you up and didn't really allow you to do anything. Where this defense is is aggressive, is intimidating, havoc. and yeah, can wreak absolute havoc. And if uh, your offensive line comes in and is, and is not ready to play, it, I wouldn't be surprised to see Nick Foles on the ground a few times. I mean, this team is going to get after the quarterback. That's that's what they do. And uh, I, you know, as someone who's continually talks about you know continuity and rhythm and and just chemistry and all these things that are so important to having success offensively, you got to have the time. You got to have the opportunity to get that, you know, get the ball rolling and make these things work. I'm nervous um, about, you know, the bears having the opportunity to progress this week, because this is going to be a real challenge on a short week against a a beast of a defense. And uh, it could be a rough day for Nick Foles. They've been really tough on quarterbacks production wise outside of the 290 yards, three touchdowns that Justin Herbert just threw against them on the chargers last week. Some of them were garbage yards. If you look at the other stats that the quarterbacks have had, 
you know, not a lot of passing yards, not a lot of multiple touchdowns in the game. And you look across the board, I don't believe they've allowed an opposing running back to rush for over 59 yards against them in a game yet. That's, that's a little scary. If we're talking about, we got to get this running game going. Well, we're going to about to face a very stout Buccaneers defense. I'm going to go to my second key. I'm just going to flip over to the other side of the ball because we haven't talked about the Bucks offense yet. And obviously the key to the game will be stopping Tom Brady, but my key to the game will be stopping the run for the Buccaneers. I think that's where it has to start. And a lot of reasons why looking at Brady splits right now, Dude just threw five touchdowns. He's thrown eight touchdowns out of his last two games. seems like he's cooking and he's pretty hot right now. But we have to remember, the dude is still 43 years old. Looking at the stats, the splits on down and distance of seven yards or beyond is still not very kind to Mr. Tom Brady. Even further back when you get 9, 10, 11 yards, I think his completion percentage goes down to 57%. On second and long is when he's thrown... I believe three of his interceptions so far this season. And I think these are the areas where we can really affect the game positively. If we can stop the run, they're not a team that does a lot of play action. I think he's only thrown six play action passes yet. So they kind of pick their spots. I know it's been a bugaboo for the bears defense this year. So we're going to have to stay on top of that, but honestly, it's going to be about stopping the run and just making them one dimensional because Again, when Brady has 2.5, when he gets the ball out with 2.5 seconds or less, he's completing 72% of his passes. When he waits 2.5 seconds, that drops to 57%. So we need the ball, honestly, in his hands, playing good coverage, making him make decisions, trying to throw the ball downfield, because I don't think that's where he thrives anymore. And I'm looking at Ronald Jones Jr., Tom Brady loves that check down pass where the linebackers are going to have to stay on top of it. Roquan Smith played fantastic last week, but still looking at you, Danny Trevathan, in that passing game to the running backs. I think if we can bottle up that category right there, I think that gives us a really good shot at suppressing, maybe not like stopping, but containing the Bucks offense on Thursday. Uh, they've got they've got a lot of big names, but people kind of know them and and I guess. Um associate them with this great passing attack you know tom brady and rob gronkowski and mike evans and chris godwin and and you know the list goes on and on and on but this rushing attack saw it as well and obviously you know they've definitely uh they're they're banged up a little bit actually i was looking at the tampa bay uh injury report for this week it looks like a killer fantasy team i mean if you just took the bucks injury report i'll go i'll go down this real quick mike evans leonard fournette Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, LaShawn McCoy, and uh, Scotty Miller, Justin Watson. So those are the all, all the offensive injuries. That's Mike Mike Allstott on there too, for good measure. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you could start that you could you could win a fantasy game. That sounds like with, my 2016 fantasy team, honestly. Right? That's <laughs> minus so, Godwin. I mean anyway, so what I'm saying here is that that group, yeah, I mean we we know them for their passing attack, but this is a solid rushing attack. I like what Rojo has been able to do out of the backfield for this group. And you mentioned the checkdowns and all of that stuff. But, man, I think that they're able – and this is going to be me being real inside football and, and nerding out a little bit. But this offensive line is just so, so darn impressive for the Buccaneers. Again, we talked about it last week about how the Colts had this killer defense and now the Buccaneers have a killer defense. Well, and when I I've geeked out on the on the Colts offensive line last week, the Buccaneers is better. The Buccaneers have the best offensive line in football. And uh, I mean, th- this rushing attack, you know, a lot of people notice offensive linemen for the ability to keep the quarterback clean, and that's obviously important. But the running lanes that they create, the double teams, 
man, there, there are plays when you watch all 22 on the Buccaneers from this season where running backs are getting four, five, six yards downfield before they're even making a cut or making contact. This group is scary. So, man, limiting them and trying to, to prevent that rushing attack is going to be huge, and they're going to have their hands full. Yeah, for the Bears' defensive front, I've I think it's been – easily above average so far this season. I think in the last couple of games, you know, what was it the Brian Hill run against the Falcons? I thought at times our tackling perhaps could have been a little bit better second level. And I also noticed Jonathan Taylor had the speed to get to the outside and kind of hit that edge a couple of times on us last week, which is a little surprising because the Bears defense is supposed to be known for its speed. I think Ronald Jones Jr. could also be a threat in that category. And just real quick, you know who I'm terrified the most of on the Buccaneers offense? Scotty Miller. He's a guy that I tell you, just he's the guy that when the Bears play a dude like that, he just crushes us. He's the guy that what happened in week one, Danny, Danny Amendola came up with that huge catch, that slot receiver. And Tom Brady's got a good chemistry with him. He's going to want to get the ball out quick. I just see Scotty Miller on third downs, just absolutely just tearing us up. I'm terrified of that dude. I know we want to stop Mike Evans and all the other big bright names that you listed that are currently on that injury report. That makes me happy. But for some reason, Scotty Miller, he terrifies me, Cameron. You know, Tom Brady inevitably always finds that that slot receiver, that guy that he, he his, his check down guy, the guy that, you know, is basically his his security blanket. And Scotty Miller has been that guy thus far this season, and uh, that's that's been a little bit of a weakness for the Bears. And so, yeah, I, yeah, I'm am with you. You you wouldn't think that you'd look at this Buccaneers offense and say Scotty Miller's the one that that scares you, but sometimes it's the one that you don't see coming uh, that uh, that that could be the most dangerous. So you know, keep your eyes out for Scotty Miller to have a big day on Thursday. The knife in the dark that you never see coming. <laughs> that's that's my Scotty Miller. Cameron, what's your third key to the Bears' victory in Week Five? You know, you mentioned that uh, the further Tom Brady has to throw the ball, uh, the the more difficulty he seems to have. So I'm going to I'm going to say that we need to continue to to put Tom Brady in these uh, third and long, second and long situations. And I think that you do that by uh, getting after him and getting after Donovan Smith, the, the left tackle for the Buccaneers. You know, I mentioned that offensive line, and I, I am very impressed by them. Um, but I think if there is a weak link and someone that can be gotten to, um, I think that's Donovan Smith, that left tackle position. I think Robert Quinn needs to have a big game. I want to see him, you know, come out and really, you know, he's he's definitely made some plays thus far. Um, but I, I, I'm waiting for him to have that, that real – I'm coming out. I'm here moment. And I think that that would be an opportunity for him to do so. So um, Donovan Smith is someone that I, th- I think that if you, if, if the Buccaneers do have a weakness, it's him. And uh, I want to see, uh, you know, Robert Quinn, who lines up on that side of the ball, get after him and, and make a big impact in this entire bears uh, front thrive a little bit. Um, uh, although they will have their hands full. I want to just see them uh, put the pressure on Tom Brady, make him throw the ball downfield, put him in, in tough situations. You know, the man's been known to throw a pick six or two, and I, I would love to see the Bears have that opportunity. So get after him. I like what I saw from Robert Quinn at times, going back and watching the film. He got close multiple times, either knocking a pass from Phillip Rivers or getting home to the quarterback. Pure speculation, Cameron, but he only played 44% of the snaps last week. What do you think is going on with that? I know he had an ankle injury heading into the season, wasn't able to play week one. Still probably him trying to work through that. Yeah, it, it does seem like he's uh, not, you know, he's not out there a lot. They are doing a lot of rotation. They're showing a lot of different guys out there. And that could be, it could just be trying to keep him fresh. It could be him, 
you know, trying to trying to uh, trying to get fully healthy. But I, th- I think it might just be that the the Bears have a have a lot of guys that they like, and there might just be some you know just some rotation just to just to keep guys fresh. You know, obviously playing fewer snaps earlier in the game might keep you fresher later in the game. And Robert Quinn being someone who's got some miles on him, who's been through a lot um, and has been dealing with some injuries earlier on in the season. If, if the Bears have guys that they think that they can get by with, I think it might just be a strategy and uh, and keeping an older, keeping a veteran fresh. My third key to the game, Cameron, I'm just going to call it the third quarter. Riddle me this, Cameron. How many touchdowns have we scored in the first quarter of this season? Uh, I'm going to say zero. We've got one. How many points total points have we scored in the third quarter this season? Show me 13. Show me zero. The bears have not scored a single point yet in the third quarter of an NFL game yet this season. Cameron, I just think in this game, and obviously I, I feel like every single game so far we've received to open up the game, which means we do not start with the ball in the second half. I think teams have even been deferring and giving us the football first. Bit of a slap in the face there. But I digress. <laughs> in the third quarter, look, we can't be coming from behind in these games. We all know that. In the first half, we've really struggled to move the football in every single game so far. And if we're going to have moderate success in this first half, I think the most important quarter for us perhaps might be that third quarter to give us a shot to be in position to be within striking distance or perhaps even have a lead heading into the fourth quarter and maybe giving the defense just one time a chance to pin its ears back with a lead in the second half and try and get after a 43-year-old quarterback who's going to the Hall of Fame and the greatest quarterback of all time. But he's 43 going on 55, in my opinion. I mean, I think this is a situation where if we do have a lead in the second half, we can make it happen. No rhyme or reason. I just think Bears fans need to be really keen on on what we do in that third quarter. Typically, too, again, back to Mag Nagy, isn't that when you make adjustments at halftime? Isn't that when you come out and you try something different? You get a breath of fresh air. You reset a little bit. Get back into a new kind of rhythm. And zero points so far through four games. Unacceptable. I'm looking at that quarter, and I hopefully it works out in week five. How many times do we talk about, you know, playing a complete game, playing a complete game? And we were talking about it in terms of halves, but dude, I mean, you, the, the third quarter exists. I don't know if you, if you knew that, but yeah, I mean, when you talk about like having momentum and, and coming out and starting the second half strong, it doesn't help that we never get the ball to start it. And, you know, oftentimes we're playing from behind, we're playing teams that have more offensive firepower. And in that third quarter, when you just don't come out and score, you know, this team does not have the firepower to go into a, a shootout coming from behind every single fourth quarter. It's just not going to work. So yeah, absolutely coming out and, and scoring points in that quarter and making things competitive. I think that goes without saying, do it. I mean, do, is this really a, is this a talking point? Do we even have to make this point? You you I, have I, to score. It's not even a talking point. It's almost like a plea. We're just kind of begging the Chicago uh-huh. bears or it's like a rain dance <laughs> where, you know, you're just trying to will it into existence that if you verbalize and visualize it can actually come true, just like our dreams. Cameron, it's time time to put our money where our mouth is. Time for our picks. We're going to flip it, I think, today. I think we're going to, we should do final score first and then Nick Foles' final stat line because the final stat line, I think, is giving away what we think the final score is. So let's just dive into it first. Cameron, what's your final score? You're 4-0, by the way. You're 4-0 on your picks. I am 3-1 coming into this week. What's your final score for Bears versus Bucks week five? I got Bucks 28-20. 28-20. 20. 
Well, we get to 20 points. No, I think that uh, that Tom Brady's going to come out and do Tom Brady things, and uh, <laughs> I don't I don't think that there's much that the Bears can do about it. If if he has a healthy group, if all of those people that I listed earlier get to come out and play, or at least some version of that group gets to come out and play, I think that uh, that on a short week I'm going to take Tom Brady, and I'm going to take uh, Bruce Arians, you know. Points are always a plenty. They come in abundance on Thursday night games, and that's due to the uh, to the lack of prep time. And if if anyone can can do it and can come out and score points with a lack of prep, it's this group. And so I think that I'm going to take Tom Brady and this experience uh, over a, a very qualified Chicago Bears defense. Cameron, here's where I'm going to go because – it's week five and it's early enough in the season to still have aspirations that this team can be reminiscent of that 2018 team where maybe not a Super Bowl contender, but maybe a team that can win a game in, a, in the playoffs can still compete with the Packers in the NFC North. I think if we pick up a win in this game, it really flips the narrative moving forward. We got some tough games coming up of what this bears offense and Matt Nagy leading the team moving forward is going to look like I'm going Man, this is my heart, not my head, man. I'm going Bears 27, Buccaneers 26, and I'll tell you why. Here's what I'm thinking. First off, I think we get a pick six from Tom Brady in this game. I think it's time. I think it's time for all the amazing turnovers and highlights and drop passes by Khalil Mack that we've had. I think it's time that we get a big turnover in a big way. Tom Brady's already thrown two pick sixes this year. He is not immune to that anymore. I definitely think it can happen this week. That can really swing it in our direction. The other one is that in general, we can say what we want about the Bears defense in terms of its flaws, but so far in the red zone, they've done a really nice job of keeping opponents out of the end zone. So I think Tom Brady early on could settle for some field goals drive the ball down the field, get stood up. I think they kick maybe two or three field goals in the game, which gives them that 26 number. I do think the Bears can actually pull this one out and win. They are playing at home. It will be very dependent on whether they can play with a lead at some point in the NFL season of 2020. But that's where I'm going. I think that the Bears win. I'm crazy. I'm wild. And maybe I'll be shot down to earth after this game, and I'll have to – believe that the bears are who we thought they were but this week i think on a quick week i think nick Foles can actually play better i know you're saying less reps is not a good thing but for nick Foles, i think for him it's more of an adjustment of i just gotta throw this ball better i saw it i just gotta throw it better and i think just getting right back out there could actually be a help to him and i think the bears win there i said it great (laughs) hopefully you're right I'm you look like you want right, you look like you want to bet me money right now. <laughs> it looks like you want to take <laughs> you look like you want to take some money out of my wallet. Cameron, um 28 to 20. So Nick Foles, what's the final stat line? Yards, touchdowns, interceptions. 220 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Yep. I'm not that far away. I was gonna say 244, two touchdowns, two interceptions as well. <laughs> Uh, I think if we get that, uh, I think if we get those two touchdowns there, we get a pick six that gets us to 21, two field goals, 27. That's kind of my thought process there. Buccaneers come into Chicago to face the Bears on Thursday night football, the primetime game to kick off week five. We're excited. We're terrified. We're feeling all the emotions, and that's what makes the NFL season so exciting. Hopefully the Bears can come out with a victory. But until then, Cameron, take us out. Another great episode. We're coming right back to you guys early Friday morning. You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you tune into our post-game show, a special Thursday night post-game uh, show 
or Friday morning if you uh, got to check it out on your on your way to work. Uh, make sure that you uh, subscribe and, uh, you know, go ahead and, and give us a like while you're at it, too. Five stars. It always helps. We appreciate it. For Joey Christopoulos, I'm Cameron Lee. And remember to always bear down. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.